when we celebrate Christmas, we are celebrating the entrance of the New Covenant. But why is this New Covenant necessary? Find out today on a special message coming from Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 37, right now on the Bellator Christie Podcast. Listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by BellatorChristie.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas. if you will, to turn your copy of God's Word to the book of Jeremiah. Uh, We're going to be looking at chapter 31, verses 31 through 37. I submit to you that this isn't a traditional Christmas passage. This may seem a little odd, but you know me by now. You know I am a little bit odd. So uh, this is just about perfect for me, I think. Uh, So to to, to bring this for a Christmas message, uh, we're going to look at, again, Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 37, and uh, as you're turning there, it's important for us to understand that the Bible is, while it's composed of 66 individual books, it is one revelation. And the same God that we find is in Genesis is the same God we find in the New Testament uh, through Revelation. The same God in the Old Testament is the same God in the New Testament. And what we see is that to, in order for us to understand the New Testament, we have to first understand or have a generalized understanding of the Old Testament. Because what God was doing in the Old Testament was in preparation for Christ's appearance. And in fact, throughout the Old Testament, we see that God had established different covenants with uh, groups of people. Uh, he had a covenant with Adam. He had a covenant with Noah. Uh, Remember the covenant he made with Noah? That he would never again destroy the earth again by water. The next time it would be by what? Fire. Fire the next time. So a covenant is a promise made between a contract, really, that God has made with humanity. And so we see that God made a covenant agreement with Abraham. That God made a covenant agreement with Moses. But the problem is 
is that with every co- co- uh, covenant that God has made with humanity, uh, you know, the covenant agreement was that God was going to do something and that human beings were to do something. But the problem is, God was always faithful, but we as a people, we seem to always break the covenant. <laughs> so that's why God says through Jeremiah that he's about to establish a new covenant. Now, there's a reason why we call this the Old Testament and the New Testament. Because the Testament is representing the covenant. The Old Covenant is really the New Covenant concealed. And the New Covenant or New Testament is the Old Covenant revealed. It's a fulfillment of the, the prophecies made about Christ. So if everyone who can and is able, please stand. We're going to read about this New Covenant that God was going to establish through this Christ child. And as we celebrate Christmas, as our hearts and minds are pointed to the real reason for the season, and that is Jesus Christ, it's important for us to understand why Christmas was necessary. Why this new covenant was in fact necessary. Jeremiah says, speaking for God, and we see him from verse 31, that the Lord is the one speaking through his prophet when he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them from their hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. Not the, not the covenant like he had made with Moses. But my covenant which they broke, though I am a husband to them, says the Lord. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. Now look at this. For I will, what? Forgive. I will forgive their iniquities and their sin. I will remember what? No more. Oh my goodness. <laughs> this is the reason for Christ's coming. This is the reason for Christmas. Thus says the Lord, who gives the sun for a light by day? The ordinances of the moon and the stars for a light by night. Who disturbs the sea and its waves roar? The Lord of hosts is his name. For if these ordinances depart from me, says the Lord, then the seed of Israel shall also cease from being a nation before me forever. Thus says the Lord, if heaven above can be measured and the foundation of the earth searched out beneath, I will also cast off all the seed of Israel for all that they have done, says the Lord. Now there's a reason he says that. We're going to see that in here in just a few moments. Dear kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for the promise that you gave to us. That this, that this salvation that we have wrought out in and through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was no accident. It was no happenstance. It was a plan that you had in fact established before the foundation of the world. Because you say in the very beginning of the prophecy of, of Jeremiah that before we were even born, you knew us. So, Lord, as we come to you today, Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would just simply use me as an open vessel. 
Allow me to speak the words that need to be spoken, holding back any words that don't need to be spoken. And in and through it all, Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes, that we would see, our ears that we would hear, and our hearts that will apply these truths and be better for it. For it's in Jesus' name we ask all these things. Amen and amen. You may be seated. I am an individual, I don't know about you, but I am an individual who values security. I don't do well when there's a lot of chaos going on. In fact, one of the most stressful times in my life is whenever I faced layoffs and things like that because you don't know what's going to happen. You know, everything is a a bit of flux, you know, and everything, and everything is really unstable. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what the future's going to bring. I am kind of a boring person. I would love it if God would send an email listing every single detail of what I was to expect that day and that week ahead. That would be just fine for me. You know, I guess I'm just a boring person like that. But I'm a person who values security. And in this world, we see that it is absolutely chaotic. It's the anything goes type of society. But it's important for us to understand that in this world of flux and instability, that in Christ, we do have stability. In Christ, we do have security. Some of you here today, you may be facing uncertain days. You may be going through a lot of stuff right now as we're coming across the Christmas season. But I want you to understand something. That even if the world around you is flying apart at the seams, understand you still have stability in Christ Jesus, your Lord and Savior. You still have stability because of Christmas and what Christmas means. You have stability because of this new covenant that God has brought forth and delivered unto you this Christmas season. So I want us to take a look at five aspects of why the new covenant was necessary. We're going to take a look at its superiority. We're going to look at it at its continuity. We're going to look at its spirituality and the relationship factor that's in this new covenant. We're going to look at this clemency or meaning forgiveness that's found in the new covenant. And we're also going to look at its durability. Now, before we begin this, we need to understand, again, going back, understanding what a covenant is to begin with. A covenant is a contractual agreement that God has made with people. That's what a covenant is. It's a promise. It's it's a contract And again, as we've looked back at the covenants of the past, we see one thing coming true, it seemed like every single time, that God on every instance was faithful. However, we as a human race, uh, the, the nation, you know, the people of Israel, the people who had the covenant, individuals who had the covenant with God, we always seem to break the covenant. God was always faithful on His part, but we seem to always break the covenant. That's why God is promising through Jeremiah and delivered through Christ that there would be this new covenant. It wasn't going to be a covenant based on what we could do for God. Rather, this new covenant was going to be what God would do for us. You see, every other, the thing that marks a distinct difference between Christianity and every other worldview out there is that every other worldview lists steps by which a person can reach up to God and to, to and reach enlightenment or to, to reach uh, forgiveness or whatever the case may be. Christianity is the only worldview that shows how God has reached down to us and made eternal life possible in and through His Son, Jesus Christ. So let's look at this, the five ways, 
five reasons why this new covenant was necessary. Number one, <clears throat> and forgive me, I'm going to probably be coughing as I go through this, so bear with me. Number one, the new covenant was necessary because of its superiority to the covenants of old. Now look what he says in verses 31 and 32. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. This, this new covenant is going to be superior to the old covenant. And he says he's going to make it with the house of Israel, the house of Judah. We also see that through the scriptures that Gentiles would be grafted into this new covenant, to this new promise that God has made. And look what he says in verse 32. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers, the day that he took them by the hand, my covenant which they broke. You see, the, pro- the par- problem with these old covenants is that they were only temporary fixes. They were only temporary fixes until God established this eternal covenant. And the problem with these old covenants is that it seemed like, as I mentioned before, that people seemed to to find a way to find a loophole, to find a way to be able to break the covenant with God. God was always faithful, but we as a human race were always faithless. Amen? We always found a way to break the contract. But you see, this covenant was going to be superior because this was not going to be a man-based covenant. In other words, God was not going to put the emphasis on what we could do to be holy towards God. Rather, He was going to put the emphasis on what He would do for us. You know, a lot of times we don't like to think about this because we're very individualistic. I'll be honest, I'm this way. If there's a way that I can do something myself without having to ask someone else for help... Bet your bottom dollar I'm going to do it. Because I don't want to ask people for help. I want to be able to do it myself. I'm going to try to find a way to do it myself. But there are certain things that I have to rely upon other people. When it comes to cars, bet your bottom dollar I'm going to have to call somebody. (laughs) Bet your bottom dollar I'm going to have to call somebody for that. Uh, But you know, my son, for instance, he he loves pickles. He loves pickles. And one time he was going to eat, eat a jar of pickles. And so he was trying to get this jar. And, I, and grant you, this jar was tight. This jar was tight. And so bless his heart, he tried the best he could to open that jar. And he couldn't quite get it. And so he had to ask his dad for help. You know, you see. And so, you know, and I had to end up getting the grippers myself and run some hot water on this thing. But finally we were able to get this thing open. You see, this is what we as a people had to do. We had to call upon our Father to do for something for us that we couldn't do for ourselves. There's several times in my life I have to call upon somebody else, someone who's more knowledgeable on certain issues to help me with things that I don't know about. This new covenant was going to be superior because it was going to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. And here's the fact that we have to understand. When it comes to the holiness of God, there's no way that any of us could ever be good enough for God. Amen? The Bible tells us whenever the angels call out to God, holy, 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 in the Greek and Hebrew languages, that means when it's put three times together, that means that God is the absolute essence of purity. He is the absolute essence of holiness. We could never live up to that standard. That's why this new covenant would be superior, because God was going to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. Number two, the new covenant was necessary Because of his continuity. It's it's a mistake for us to think that Christianity just grew out of itself. 
that Christianity grew out of Judaism. And the reason for that is because God appeared to several people throughout the centuries to reveal Himself to the nation of Israel, to reveal Himself to individuals of old, to reveal Himself to guys like Abraham, to guys like Isaac, to guys like Jacob, to reveal Himself to guys like Moses, to guys like Noah. And don't think that these guys were perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Noah, you go back and read the story in Genesis, he was anything but perfect, amen? He was not a perfect man. You know, David was not a perfect man. But God revealed himself because he had a plan here, you see. But this, 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 this covenant was going to be a, a, continuous, a continuous line we see. He says, this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. And we see that this is continuing along the line. And this is the thing we have to understand with this covenant. This is not anything new for God. God has always had, He has always had the same plan throughout, throughout, since the fall of man. His plan was to save souls. You look at God and you look at His generosity. A lot of times people say you look at God in the Old Testament and you see a mean old grump. I don't see that at all. Because think about this. You go back and look at the story whenever Adam and Eve fell. Look what God did. God could have just simply struck them down right where they were. And just like any human being, whenever God confronted them with their sin, what did they do? Eve says, well, that serpent made me do it. The devil made me do it. And Adam said, what did Adam say? You know what? He had the gall to say, well, God, I sinned because that woman that you gave me made me sin. Women, you ever heard that before? So they're making excuses, but God, what did he do? He made a sacrifice for them, and he made clothes for them. He clothed them. That's graciousness right there, amen? If God had not loved them, we would not be here today. Don't you think we as a human race have tested God multiple times, but God has graciously still given us life, and not only that, given us the hope of eternal life found in Jesus. So this plan of salvation isn't anything new. God has been about the same plan since the fall of humanity, and that's to save souls. Aren't you glad that He loves you that much? This defies the imagination to think about how big God is and how small we are, how infinite He is and how finite we are. Why would a God like that love us? You know why? Because He made us in His image. That means He loves you with an everlasting love. He loves me with an everlasting love, with all our eccentricities, with all the other things that drive other people crazy. But He still loves us anyhow. Aren't you glad about that? He loves us. Despite the temper tantrums we may have. Thank the Lord for that. Amen. Anybody else ever had any temper tantrums? Don't tell me I'm the only one, Pam. <laughs> I mean, yeah. He loves us despite our temper tantrums. He loves us despite all of that. But he's always loved us. The Bible says even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God established a plan for us, for our salvation before we ever knew him. You see, I, I love Marvel comics. I'm a geek, I admit that. I, you know, but the thing that drives me crazy... Now, I love this about Star Wars. Amen, John Faith? I love this about Star Wars. They've had a continuous story and have carried that around. Now, I love the Incredible Hulk. You know, I know he has anger issues. I admit that. I understand that. But I love the character. It's so neat. I always thought it would be neat, you know, somebody come picking on you. You could just grow in this big green guy and, you know, and just take care of business. That would be kind of cool. 
But the only problem with the movie series is they, they don't have any continuity. They make one movie and then the actor quits. They don't make another one. They make another movie, restart the whole thing again, and then the actor quits. They do it a third time, the actor quits. Same way with Spider-Man. How many times can you make the same story over and over and over again? They've done it. It drives me absolutely crazy. But we don't see that with a new covenant. We see that it's a continuous story. It's continuing the line of these dispensations, of these covenants that God has made in the past. That is to say that Christmas was not a mistake. It was not a coincidence. It was planned before the foundation of the world. Number three, the new covenant was necessary because of its spirituality. Look here. The... If you look at a lot of Hasidic Jews, what they will do is they will take a piece of Scripture and they'll put it in these little boxes called Tephilim. And they will put them on the, on the tops of their heads, their foreheads. They'll wrap them around their arms and they'll pray. They've attached the Word of God to themselves. But this new covenant was going to be different. It was not going to be a covenant made by external circumcision. It wasn't going to be a covenant made by attaching scriptures to your body. Rather, this was going to be something different. Look what it says here. I will put my law in their minds. Do you notice that? I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. This was going to be unlike anything they've ever seen before. This was going to be an infusion of the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit would come and indwell the hearts of believers because of what Christ has done. He has opened the floodgates of God's glory so that His personal presence would come and abide with us and we could abide with Him, meaning that we have a relationship with the Holy God that is unlike anything anyone has ever seen in the past. Do you realize the power that you have in Christ Jesus? Do you realize the love that you have in Christ Jesus? The relationship you have now with Christ Jesus is unbelievable because if you are in Christ and you have entered this new covenant agreement, then you have a personal relationship with the holy God that will never be separated. Can somebody give me an amen before I blow up here? Amen? You have a personal relationship with Him. You know, a lot of times we focus on the things that don't really matter. Bob, I told Bob Dill I was going to use this. It's too good not to. Bob told me the story the other week. He was driving down 601, and he saw a sign on the side of the road that asked this question. Are you in the in crowd, I-N-N, or are you in the stable group? Excellent question. Are you in the in crowd, the I-N-N crowd, or are you in the stable group? Are you in the in crowd, the crowd that rejects Jesus because you didn't have enough room for him in your inn? Are you in the stable with the dirty, stinky animals that are, that's willing to, to share a wonderful moment with Christ? We can become part of that stable group, not because of what we have done for ourselves, but because of what Christ has done for us. And as recipients of this new covenant, we have a close communion with God that we should groom each and every day of our lives. Ashley asked us to do something very powerful, and I think we ought to take, up, take her up on that challenge. That before we open any gifts this Christmas, tomorrow morning, that we take a moment to spend with God. I think that's a wonderful idea, don't you? I wonder if we're going to take that challenge to make God part of our Christmas celebration because it's all about Him anyhow. Do we spend enough time with God? That's a big question we have to ask ourselves. Number four, the new covenant was necessary.
because of its clemency. And clemency here, I mean forgiveness. Look what he says in verse 34. For I will forgive their sins, or their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more. First part of the verse, he talks about you won't have to uh, tell someone about God's existence because the Holy Spirit is going to be convicting individuals in this new covenant. And he says, For I will forgive their sin, I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more. Now understand, this doesn't give us, this isn't a, uh, a free pass, free get out of jail free card or anything like that. But what this means is that God would come in this new covenant and would establish a covenant where He would forgive our sins. The covenants of old, they were temporary fixes. For instance, at Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, the high priest would enter the Holy of Holies and would, and would offer a sacrifice, a, a once-for-all sacrifice for that year, but it was only good for a certain period of time because they had to keep repeating it every year. It was a temporary fix. But it looked to a time when God was going to make a once-for-all sacrifice. That's exactly the reason you see God asking Abraham to lay his son Isaac on the altar of stone to act like he was going to take his life. And that's why the angel of God says, no, God is going to provide a lamb. Who was that lamb? The lamb of God, Jesus Christ. You see, God was giving him a prophecy of what was to come. God was showing him a revelation of what was going to happen, that he himself was going to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. Understand, beloved, I understand completely, the more you try to live your life for Christ, at least I'm this way, the more I seem to mess up. Anyone else there? Have you ever tried to spend a day and just try to focus yourself completely on Christ? And the more you try to focus yourself on Christ, it seems like everything chaotic that could happen does happen. You try to be patient, and there's some goofball that just pulls right in front of you and just almost making you run into them. You, know, you, you try to have patience, but it seems like the devil's there just shooting ping-pongs at your head every moment you, he can to try to drive you insane. Please tell me I'm not the only one here. The more I try to live my life for Christ, the more I realize I'm inadequate and the more I mess up. But thanks be unto God, God's already covered that. Amen? With a new covenant, by the, by the power and grace of Almighty God, He has redeemed us. Which brings us to the last part. The new covenant was necessary because of its durability. Verses 35 and through 37 may not make sense, but if you look at it in the context of what's happening here, it makes perfect sense. God asked the question, who gives the sun for a light by day? In other words, who made the sun? Who made the sun? God. Who made the moon? Who made the universe? Who made the laws of nature? Who made gravity? I mean, this is the very thing that if you jump up high enough, you're going to come back down. Who made that? So if God makes these things that have been around since the dawning of creation itself, if God has said that you are forgiven, what does that mean? You're forgiven. Let me tell you something. This time of the year, we're reminded... Of, of, of how much junk we have in our lives because a lot of times we, we don't see some of our families until this time of the year and, and you may have that one person that just you love them to death but they drive you crazy. <laughs> Amen? 
that person that not only knows the buttons to push, but they sit there just going, just trying their best to drive you crazy. Anyone else have that member? I'm not going to ask Christian. I'm not going to ask. But someone have that member that's just pushing that button, you know, the best they can. A lot of us come to Christmas time with, with a lot of hurts and a lot of problems. And there are a lot of people that may come from broken homes where maybe there was a father or maybe there was a mother that wasn't there for that person. Maybe you have a relationship in your life where you have been broken, where someone has hurt you and and has not lived up to being maybe the parent or being a spouse or being the loved one that they're supposed to be for you or a sibling or something like that. And a lot of times we have this notion that we think that in our lives, and I really want you to listen to this because if you don't hear anything else, I want you to take this home with you. A lot of us live with the notion that we have, if we do a little bit better in life, that maybe we'll earn the approval of whoever that person is. You can fill in the blank with whoever it is. And you may have someone in your mind right now. You may have someone in your life you think, well, if I earn a better paying job, or if I earn another degree, or if I have this high status, then maybe this person or that person will approve of me. The problem is, is that a lot of times we bring that same junk into our relationship with God. And so a lot of times people approach God saying, well, if I do a little bit more for here, or if I make a little bit better myself there, then, I'm, then, then God will approve of me. If I do this or I do that, then maybe God will approve of me. But I want to give you a huge revelation this morning. If you are in Christ... You're already approved. Can I get an amen? You don't have to work for something you already have. Amen? I don't have to work to get this tie, do it, because I already got it around my neck. Jennifer probably won't try to strangle me after the service with this thing. I don't know. But despite that, see, she's going to give me an amen right there. But the fact of the matter is, I don't have to work to get this because I've already got it around my neck. I don't have to work to get this jacket because I'm already wearing it. The Bible says that if you are in Christ, then God has already forgiven you your sins. Do you notice it also says in another portion of the Scripture that God has forgiven you as far as the east is from the west? Have you ever thought why he says east from west and not north from south? Think about this. If you keep traveling north you're going to eventually reach the North Pole. And if you keep walking, guess what's going to happen? You're going to start walking south. You keep walking south towards Antarctica, and you reach the South Pole, then guess what? You're going to start walking north. There is a point where north meets south and south meets north. But if you go east and you keep going east, guess what? You can go the entire globe and keep walking east. You go west, you keep walking west. You can circle the entire globe and keep walking, and you're never going to meet east. This is what he's saying. East and west never meet. So if your sins have been forgiven, they have been cast as far as you from eternity past. Meaning that you have a place with God in heaven and it doesn't matter who's against you this morning. It doesn't matter who doesn't like you or who may not care for you. 
You know, Winston Churchill says, if you have enemies, that's a good thing because that means sometime, somewhere, you've stood up for something. Amen? Christ tells us the same thing. If you stand for him, you're going to have some people that's not going to like you. But praise God, that's okay. They can be wrong if they want to. Amen, Crystal? Somebody don't like Crystal? She's saved. It doesn't matter if you like her or not. She's going to heaven. Amen? Now, Crystal, I didn't hear you say amen. Amen. <laughs> So what that means is simply put, you don't have to work for God's approval because if you're in Christ Jesus, you already have it. And I'm going to tell you what, I don't know about you, but I can't think of a greater Christmas gift than that. Let me close with this. You know, I was thinking as I was studying the message, what one of my favorite Christmas gifts of all time has been. <coughs> and Caleb, you might remember this. You remember those Nintendos? You know, Nintendos... Uh, What's that now? The original one? Yeah. <laughs> I remember getting this for, for a, a Christmas present one time before. And it came with uh, two games in there. You remember Super Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt? Oh you, did, oh, you didn't have the Super Mario? Or maybe I'm thinking of the newer. The original Mario. You know, I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. Well, I remember the Mario Brothers, and then you had the duck hunt, and then you point that little gun, you're trying to shoot the ducks and stuff like that. And I really remember this because I, I, come, I can't remember exactly all the details about it, but I remember I got sick. I don't know if it was pneumonia or something like that. And Dad bought me a baseball game. And we, you know, Dad loves baseball. If you, love, you need to, if you like baseball, you need to talk with him. He loves baseball. That's his favorite sport. But, uh, but he, we played this little baseball tournament. And I'm going to be honest, he won the tournament, but I got so tickled at him because he'd be sitting there playing the game, and I'd hit, hit the ball, and he's pushing these buttons, trying to get this little pitcher to throw it to first base. And he says, I'm hitting the button, I'm hitting the button. But he'd throw it to third base or something like that, and he would drive him crazy. But I started to think about that. That's probably my favorite Christmas gift of all time because of all the wonderful memories tied up with the Mario Brothers and the duck hunt and all these different games that, that come you, know, you later bought along with it. But you know what? As I think about that, that even pales in comparison to the gift of salvation that we have in Christ Jesus. Because the Nintendo came and the Nintendo eventually didn't work anymore. I don't even know what we've done with it. <laughs> I'd like to find that sometime. I don't even know whatever happened to it. But you know what? The, the gift came, the gift went. But the gift of salvation is a gift that keeps on giving. So this Christmas season, I want to encourage you to focus on what really matters. Focus on Christ Jesus. And if you're here today and you've never received this gift of eternal life, why don't you come today and make sure that your heart is right with Him? Because you know what? This is a gift that transcends 2017. It transcends the year. It transcends the season. It's a gift that keeps on giving. And if you are in Christ, you don't even have to worry about death anymore. Because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, the Lord tells us. And that we have an eternal life, a communion of saints we see here together with, with those who are among us in our midst today and those who are awaiting us on the other side. Praise God for that. Amen? We are part of the body of Christ. And nobody, and I mean nobody, can take that away from us. So if you're here today and you don't know Christ, I want to encourage you to come to know Him before it's eternally too late. Maybe you'd like to come join the ministry of Huntsville Baptist Church. Whatever God is saying and doing in your heart and your life, we just encourage you to come in the Spirit of God. You're kind of gracious, Heavenly Father. We thank you for this gift of all gifts. 
gift of eternal life, this new covenant that you've given us, as it is promised and prophesied by Jeremiah, as fulfilled in Christ. Lord, we just thank you so much for what the The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of BellatorChristi.com or its affiliates. The Bellator Christi podcast is a production of BellatorChristi.com and is protected under Creative Commons copyright. All rights reserved. The theme song is Crucified, written by John and Kayla Lemonese, performed by Crosby Lane, and produced by Mansion Entertainment. Be sure to visit BellatorChristi.com and subscribe so that you can receive all the articles and podcasts in your inbox for free. Catch us on iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher. For Brian Chilton, this is Burl Childers saying God bless, and we'll see you the next time as we enter into the arena of ideas. standing on the ground that for three years we have prayed that will one day be the site of the greatest Christian school in the world. We prayed that way. We believe God gave us this mountain for that purpose. I've said to these young people repeatedly and I say it again to you today. You are the hope of America. When you leave the graduation platform of liberty, I want you to leave it running. Leave it running with a vision burning in your soul. You're going to change this world for Christ. Don't look around and wonder who it is. Say, God, make it me. Make it me. Because we're training champions. That's a part of the vision. Write the vision, make it plain. We're training champions to change the world. Those words, spoken by Dr. Jerry Falwell, cast a vision that brought us to this mountain. Those who were around during the early years remember attending convocation in a 3,000-seat tent because no building on campus could hold all the students. Then there was the winter of 1977 when the building they'd been using for classes was scheduled for demolition. Their response was to stand in the snow for two hours, praying, Welcome to Liberty, where we train champions for Christ. Welcome to a world of audacious dreams, a world where strong character is built with grit and grace, a world where men and women go out bravely to fix what's broken. What one man dreamed, his son built. Ten years ago, President Falwell picked up the mantle his father laid down, and the university has been flourishing in ways thousands of faithful dreamers had seen only in their prayers.
Our tradition of unwavering faith is their legacy because you are what they prayed for. Graduates, you will face seemingly insurmountable hardships and obstacles often throughout your career. At times, everything will seem hopeless and every fiber of your being will be screaming for you to quit and give up on your dreams. But persevering in those darkest hours is what separates the winners from the losers. Only if you press on will you achieve greatness. In less than 50 years, 154 students have become 110,000. Missed paydays have become a billion dollar campus, and what began as a preposterous dream has become the largest Christian university in the world. With elite Carnegie status, and FBS football, oh, we're coming, and we're coming to win. But we're not leaving our convictions behind. We still have the privilege, the right, and the responsibility to show the world what Jesus looks like. We still believe that hard work, courage, and integrity define our faith as much as compassion and kindness. We are bold. We are innovative. We are faithful and diligent. We celebrate both our diversity and our unity as one family. At Liberty, the privilege to mentor the next generation of Christian leaders is not something we take lightly because virtues necessary for a praiseworthy life are not built overnight. They require scholars with determination, creativity, and a passion for wisdom. Our faculty have done great things, helped invent hearing devices for the deaf, done groundbreaking research on technology addiction, influenced the way crime labs use DNA analysis, they have written film scores, won Emmys, and made headlines in archaeology, philosophy, and paleontology. But their greatest legacy will be you. We defy the stereotypes that others try to impose on us. Your classmates are directing their own films, interning at NASA, and taking on poverty across the globe. While the world sees champions as only victors, we will reclaim the word and its meaning. We the champions, in order to affirm our tradition of unwavering faith, ignite a passion for wisdom, challenge perspectives, inspire creativity, and pursue knowledge, do resolve to be the voice for the voiceless, bring healing to the hurting, fight for the oppressed, defend freedom, defy stereotypes, and follow God's calling wherever it may lead. It is who we are, it's what we stand for. It always has been and always will be. To learn more about Liberty University, go to liberty.edu.